Hey, this is Sabrina Marie, host of the Building Abundance Success Series. Our primetime mastermind that promotes empowered, focused, decisive action and inspired outcome. Our spotlight is on entertainment media. My guest is John Murray. You've seen him as an entertainment journalist, lifestyle reporter, and pop culture expert. He has been featured doing commentary on networks like HLN, CNN, MSNBC, VH1, E, Access Hollywood, BT, and TV1. John recently launched a new entertainment and lifestyle website called AlwaysAList.com. To find out more about John and what he's up to, go to his website, JohnMurray.com. That's spelled J-A-W-N-M-U-R-R-A-Y.com. Fantastic interview. Let's get to it. John Murray, welcome to the show. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, wonderful. I was reading your bio, and, of course, I've seen some of your work. I wanted you to tell our audience a little about yourself, uh, what you do, and uh, how you got there. Oh, that's uh, we'll be on on here all night talking about that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, in short, I'm a, a entertainment news personality. You know, I do work in three mediums, uh, television, radio, and digital media, uh, often on networks like CNN and HLN and MSNBC, uh, covering entertainment news and pop culture. Uh, I launched a brand new entertainment and lifestyle site this summer called alwaysalist.com. Uh, those who know my work from uh, the previous uh, things that I did at AOL Black Voices will find it uh, very much close to what I was doing before, but this time it's all owned and operated by me. Uh, and in, for many years I was on the nationally syndicated Tom Jonah morning show. Wow, now you had to start somewhere. Was this something you always wanted to do? Uh, you know, I knew I always wanted to work in television. Uh, it was a desire from the time in which uh, I was a teenager. I was either going to do that, I was either going to work in professional wrestling as like one of the ring announcers <laughs> or one of the managers. I, you know, and it's funny because I'm, I had fallen out of love with professional wrestling for a while and then inadvertently became a fan again uh, within the last three years or so. Uh, uh, or I was going to go to culinary school and become a chef. So I took the entertainment trek. Um, I started by uh, doing a bunch of interns, uh, the last one being at a radio station in Washington, D.C. called WPGC. Uh, I interned there, had no desires to work in radio whatsoever, but had a great time during my tenure at WPGC. I learned a lot. I built a lot of great relationships. And one of the on-air personalities there a beautiful lady by the name of Michelle Wright uh, saw something in me. Uh, she became my first industry boss. She put me on a monthly retainer, and she had me researching entertainment news stories for the most popular segment of her afternoon, uh, actually her midday show called The E. And so I would help her compile and research stories for that segment, and that's when I was bitten by the entertainment news bug. Whoa. Now, your background is in journalism. That was right out of college, right? Yes, yes. When I was, uh, I went to Norfolk State University. I studied radio and television broadcasting there. Um, while there, I was taking some journalism courses. And though I had no interest at the time in becoming a writer, um, I had a professor who told me, look, you're a very good writer. You should consider doing a little bit of this at least on the side. And so I did. And uh, I began getting some freelance work 
and some professional opportunities as a writer, even while in school. So I was a leg above the rest when I left Norfolk State because, you know, I was already getting professional work. I'd be flying out from Norfolk State on the weekends, going to do press junkets in L.A. and New York and other major cities. And so, and you know, and, and all of that was a direct result of uh, maximizing my opportunity at the internship at WPGC. So, you know, when I talk to younger people who are trying to find their way in the business and trying to determine what it is that they want out of the entertainment industry, I tell them, intern as much as you can uh, while you're still in school because it really does set a foundation for what you can do once you leave school. Most definitely. Most definitely. Now, you intertwine, you said, pop culture with uh, the writing as well as commentary. What do you like to do the best between all three mediums? Um, I know you're kind of married. It's a marriage for you. Yeah, you know, if it is definitely a marriage. Uh, I mean, if I had to really just choose one, it would probably be the television. Uh, there's something about being able to go on TV, uh, express your opinion, talk about current events, hot topics, you know, the things that are going on in the news, particularly when, you know, I'm on uh, as a guest with other uh, hosts. You know, the thing I like about the, the cable network medium is that I get to go and play with others. You know, everyone, there are lots of people who their ultimate goal is, I want to host my own show and I want to have my own platform. For me, I really like going and playing with others. I like going and sitting in with a host like James Velez Mitchell uh, or Vinnie Politan or um, Melissa Perry Harris and, and talking about the hot topics and current events and, and being able to banter with them and, and to be able to share information while also being witty and entertaining. and uh, It's just you know, it's, it's a fun medium, and I really, really enjoy conveying, uh, you know, the things that I'm trying to express in that medium. In the last couple hundred years, the black media has uh, really changed deeply. I was wondering who influenced you in not only your career choice, but just uh, you know somebody you really looked up to in the uh, broadcasting arena. Well, I, when I just growing up and being a young person, trying to determine what I wanted out of life, there were three people who I consider uh, my heroes, and they were Oprah Winfrey, uh, Will Smith, and Kirk Franklin. And the latter was because, you know, I, I grew up a church boy. I was actively involved in the church. Uh, and a lot of people around me thought that maybe at some point I was going to move to become a preacher or, or a minister of sorts. And I liked Kirk because he epitomized that you could have balance, that you could, you know, have relationship, that you could love God, um, but also work in mainstream entertainment. You could have, you know, you could bridge the gap between the two worlds and do it without losing your integrity. And so uh, those were my three, just my three heroes, the three people that I, you know, admired, respected, and really looked up to. And then professionally, um, around the time that I was in college, the E! Entertainment Network uh, had a show called The Gossip Show. And mm -hmm. I never really wanted to be in the gossip business. I always wanted to be legitimate. And, you know, I, you know, I was going to school. I was studying journalism, I was studying broadcasting, so, you know, I was getting my credentials, and I wanted to be legitimate, but the show featured all of these respected journalists, uh, like Tanya Hart from Hollywood, who was on, you know, a syndicated radio host and a, a regular TV contributor, Flo Anthony out of New York City, and a guy named A.J. Benza, who uh, ultimately left the entertainment uh, news business and just became like a TV host, but um, I was watching one night, and I saw A.J. Benza do a segment 
where he uh, was doing an entertainment news story about Tyra Banks, and he made reference to how beautiful her breasts were. And I sat up in my chair and I said, you know what, I could do this for a living. Share information, talk <laughs> entertainment news, and celebrate somebody's breasts. This was a good gig. <laughs> and so that's kind of what I decided. That you know, That's where I wanted to go. And, you know, at some point, you know, when I started in the business, in addition to Michelle Wright, who had already taken a liking to me, I developed a relationship with uh, both Flo and Tanya, uh, who were very helpful to me in the early stages of my career. And, uh, you know, and that's kind of, uh, those are some of the people who I really, really admire professionally. I mean, there were others like the talk show host Rolanda Watts and, and some other folks of that elf that I really respected and admired and, and ultimately, you know, developed a personal rapport with. But you know, those, are, those are the vast of, of the people who inspire me to do what I do. In terms of traditional roles in um, black media, I mean, what what we see you doing has not been um, uh, really a, a, a medium, except for maybe maybe the last 50, 60 years, you know, around the time of Jet and Ebony. Um, what role do you think that traditional black media has played in helping you get to where you are today? Well, you know, for me, I don't know that, um, I mean, I, I respect the foundation that traditional black media set and the opportunities that they created uh, for a younger person like me to be able to be in the business. I mean, the legacy of a John H. Johnson and all the folks that followed his blueprint and doing what they did, it's, it's tremendous. Um, you know, I wasn't fortunate enough to land any opportunities with any of the African-American newspapers when I was starting out. Um, mm -hmm. and not that I didn't want to, they just weren't interested in me at the time. And, right. uh, or, or obviously, obviously didn't have the budget to, to be able to compensate me so that I can make a living doing what I was doing. Um, and I remember there was a time when I had approached several of the African American newspapers and I was really trying to challenge them to uh, evolve their brands and embrace the digital age. And many of them weren't receptive to it at the time, which is troubling because now I see that a significant number of them are either going out of business or struggling and I think it was because they you know they did not evolve with the times you know they had a very antiquated format uh, you know they shunned the digital age instead of embracing it and so now many of them are trying to play catch up but they don't have the revenue or the capital to be able to transition and sustain themselves so you know, you know, I, um, you know, I, I celebrate the impact of traditional black media, and I wish many of the great uh, media outlets, uh, you know, that that fit in that category, really, you know, would have had staying power because we've lost some great publications along the way. I'm glad you're mentioning this. What do you think that is? Because it does not just affect journalism; it affects a lot of different mediums that are. Uh, really closing their doors, never to be heard from again. You know, I don't necessarily have an answer for that. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, I know that some people don't adapt well to change, and mm -hmm. uh, certain people have not been the best at uh, differentiating between what is an actual move in the business and what may just be a trend or a fad. And right. so, because of that. Um, you know, sometimes if, if you don't make the right decision, you miss the mark. And so that's not a question that I could uh, answer because, you know, it's not one that I completely understand. Uh, you know, I, I definitely think there should probably be a dialogue at some point with some of the people 
who work specifically in African-American media, the traditional aspects of African-American media being newspapers and things of that nature, and, and, and find out why they were tardy to the party and didn't embrace the digital age. The digital age uh, is explosive, and it changes so fast. I mean, what, what's in now? Uh, we, we see the Facebooks and all the, all the social media stuff. Uh, within a year and a half or so, it's going to be something else. It's just going to, you know, snowball. Um, how do you feel our generation is uh, going to be leading the way? Because basically, that's that's what what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, every year and a half or so, the mediums do change. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm very much uh, in love with Instagram. It's my new favorite social media platform. Um, you know, it's so funny to hear people uh, make old school references to uh, MySpace and. And I mean, and really old school references to Black Planet, and so you know, those are those are the the platforms and the mediums that everyone was you know fully engaged in just a few years ago. That's right. And so um, you know, it's hard to determine what's next and 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 what's to come because I don't think any of us could have determined that these were the social media platforms and the the new age frontier playgrounds that we'd be engaged in now. Um, you know, someone, some college kid, some young person sitting in the dorm room, just like the founders of Facebook, will come up with some new clever idea, and it will be, you know, the new phenomenon, you know, in 2013, 2014. And I'm excited. You know, some of the ones I I, I, get, I navigate and, uh, you know, explore and gravitate to, um, and some of the ones I just don't even pay any attention to. Like, you know, there's one out now I think it's called Pinterest, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, very similar to Instagram. And I... I'm not even remotely interested. So you have to pick and choose which ones you connect with because otherwise you'll occupy all your time just being engaged in social media. I can imagine that your schedule's crazy if you say that you're able to, uh, you know, uh, fraternize with various types of mediums, whether it be television, whether it be Internet or whatnot. How do you juggle your schedule? Um, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle. I mean... You know, this is just kind of what I do. I have a rhythm that works for me. Um, surprisingly, the most people I sleep, I get eight hours. I love to sleep. I rest. Um, you know, during my hectic seasons, I can do up with maybe 100,000 frequent flyer miles a year. But when mm-hmm. I feel like I need to slow down and pull back and take time for me, I do that as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, for the last eight months to a year prior to launching alwaysalist.com, um, I took some time off from the industry just to do that. You know, I literally was only doing social media consulting projects as well as my television appearances. Uh, just because, you know, for seven years consecutively, you know, I, I, I maintained a very robust schedule and I was feeling like I was burnt out and I was tired and I just needed to kind of reconnect with um, my real life. I needed to, you know, go to some friend's birthday party. I need to, needed to, you know, handle some personal business affairs. It just really needed to take some time off for me and do some things that I had not had a chance to do because I was always on the go. And so, you know, launching the new site has kind of, uh, you know, increased my workload and schedule again. However, you know, I, I'm starting and re-engaging on my own terms and on my own schedule, and I enjoy it that way. Wonderful. Now, you have a faith-based music compilation, Untapped. I thought that was really fascinating. Did not even know about that. Can you tell us about that? Yes, I, um, you know, for maybe four or five years, um, I, I, I did some consulting work with EMI Gospel. Um, one of the executives there, Karen Jackson, who 
uh, ran uh, their marketing and promotion division. Uh, she approached me one time at an award show. She had heard that I'd done some uh, some artist development and media coaching for some mainstream celebrities and, and recording artists. And she said, you know, one of the things I feel is though our gospel artists lack is the ability to translate in the mainstream medium. And so she brought me on, and I helped to develop maybe four or five of the artists that were on their roster, uh, one of which is a singer named Kiara Shear, who will be featured in a, um upcoming BET reality show called The Shears, along with her mother, Karen Clark Shear. And so, you know, us working together, us collaborating and doing multiple projects together, Karen kept saying, look, we got to find a way to use your reach and to use your brand to engage the audience in a different way. And so I always had a passion for helping uh, the underdog and the unsigned uh, talent. And, and so Untapped was our digital music reality competition. And so we, we held a, a, an online competition for artists to submit songs. Uh, there was a voting process online. Uh, and I worked with the entire team at EMI Gospel to select this top ten uh, uh, of unsigned artists that were featured on the CD, and one of which ultimately, you know, got a, a, a single distribution deal with EMI Gospel. Wonderful. Now, you're, um, are you going to expand this? Are you? Is this something that's going to be ongoing for you, or do you see this evolving? Uh, it, no, it was fun. It was a one, you know, it, it did exactly what it needed to do. It brought some visibility and recognition to a group of, of very talented, uh, undiscovered singers, They've benefited from it. I've benefited from it. Uh, and I've closed that chapter, and I've moved on to other things. Hmm. Well, other things. You have this alwaysalist.com, which now you own. What else is on the horizon for John Murray? You know, right now, that, that really is my priority. It's been a significant undertaking, um, mm-hmm. one that, you know, has really consumed a lot of my time since we launched. In July, I mean, our numbers have been tremendous, you know, since our launch. We launched in July. Uh, we did a soft launch earlier in the month, formally announced it later in the month. And, I mean, we did four, 1.4 million hits for the month wow. of July and went on to do another 3 million hits for the month of August. So the traffic has been tremendous. And so just, you know, getting back in this flow that I had when I worked at AOL uh, and I was doing the DV Buzz call for Black Voices, um, and, you know, and just engaging and being social and being active and doing all the things that comes with uh, running an entertainment and lifestyle portal. Um, you know, so in that, for now, that, that's the only thing I've been able to focus on. You know, and I'm still doing my television appearances. I'm still regularly on HLN and occasionally on CNN. And so all of that is still going on as well. But alwaysalist.com is the baby who needs all the attention right now. Well, about that. Now, I wanted to ask this, and um, maybe it's something you've thought about. It's something I think about when I look in media, African Americans in media and how we are portrayed. Do you have any thoughts on this? Have we gotten better? Are we getting better? Have we gone backwards? What? Well, I think it's kind of a broad question. Um, I mean, African Americans and how we're portrayed in which aspect? Because, you know, the media is pretty vast. There's the nightly news. There's magazines. And so it depends on exactly which area of the media that you may be speaking about. Mm. 
It seems as though we are the entertainment. We don't hear many stories about uh, people who are um, entrepreneurs. We don't hear very many stories about people who are architects or scientists or other things. And in black media, um, just studying the media myself, uh, you used to get the scholars. You used to hear about that a heck of a lot more. Now it's mostly sports and whatnot. And entertainment, yeah, we need that. But do you think that there ever could be a balance or even both side by side? Yeah, I, I think this is what I've learned over the years. I think those stories are out there. I don't think we pay attention to them. Right. Um, I'll give you a good example, and I'll use film as an analogy. You know, so often people complain about uh, the, the African-American stories that are showcased in film. Oh, I don't like the Tyler Perry movies. Why do we always have to be in comedies? But then when you put out a film like Aquila and the Bee, no one goes to see it. The Great Debaters, no one goes to see it. And so the problem is that we're, this is, media is also a business. Hollywood is a business. All of this is a business. And we're in a supply and demand business. So in order for uh, there to, to, to be the product that the people are supplying, the folks have to demand it. And so I'm not investing my money in anything that I don't see a return on. Um, you know, when I was at AOL Black Voices, um, the entertainment division made up 75% of the overall site traffic, 75% of it. And so, you know, we had news, we had lifestyle, we had a female section. There were so many sections there, but entertainment made up 75% of it. There's, there's a demand for that. And so, um, yes, we need the other things, but the other things aren't the priority to the consumer. And once the consumer's uh, appetite changes, then you'll see more of the other things that you probably asked about. Like uh, you mentioned the key and the bee. There was a red tail earlier uh, in the year, and uh, then you had other um, have had other great movies, but you heard a lot about the help, uh, but you really didn't hear much about red tail. You heard a lot about red tail. I, I can't agree with that because um, uh, what's the gentleman's name who paid for the the movie? The executive producer of Red Tail. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of his Lucas. name, but he's George Lucas. George Lucas took that movie everywhere. That movie had that movie had the best promotion that I've ever seen in any film. I mean, they were at every grassroots event from the MLK unveiling in Washington D.C. to every major award show. I mean, everything from the Essence Festival on down. So I can't necessarily agree with that. I think that. We pay attention to what we want to pay attention to, and I think we have married a lot of stereotypes from the 80s um, that, oh, people only want to see us as maids and this and that. that that's an old-school, antiquated notion, and we've got to let that go because for every example that someone uh, gives along those lines, there's examples of something uh, that's very different. So I wouldn't right. necessarily agree with that at all. Well, that's just uh, to to see what your opinion was, because that's what you hear, you know. And um, you're right; it could well, be. I think I think that's what you hear. I think that's what you hear, depending on who you talk to. Because yeah. when you really look at the statistics and you really pay attention to what's going on, th- those are the easy answers for people to say. Those those answers are the equivalent to the to the young man in the neighborhood who doesn't want to go get a job because the white man is keeping him down. We've got to let that go. As that's people. right. We've got to stop blaming things on other people and, and stop making excuses for why black people decide not to go to a box office to support movies, why black people decide decide that they want to make Love and Hip Hop the number one reality show on cable. We've got to 
take accountability for ourselves and stop making excuses mm-hmm. about why things are the way that they are because that's the easy way out. And we've learned now that the easy way out doesn't benefit us. You mentioned owning the always A-list. Do you think that that is a way to go, not just because of the current economy, but because, um, you know, there's a a need in the, not just the African-American community, but for more entrepreneurship in general? Well, you know, I've I've been a sole proprietor for many years. I mean, my deals uh, with the Jordan Show and AOL, those were partnerships. You know, I've I've still been in business for myself. Um, I decided to launch this site, one, because I was at a a movie premiere party, and Tyler Perry pulled me to the side and gave me some really encouraging words, and he challenged me to do this site as a a means to fill a void. Mm -hmm. I know that there aren't a lot of platforms online where people can go for legitimate entertainment news and information. I mean, uh, 85% of the websites slash blogs online are done by people who are non-journalists. And so they're really in the cut-and-paste business. They pick up stories from other places. They do what they call aggregated content. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them make up stuff, sensationalized stuff, or build stories around photos just to get traffic. Because what people don't realize is that the more traffic a site gets, the more they can sell things at a higher advertising premium. And so you have a few sites in particular that are completely in the business of make-believe. Um, and unfortunately, a few of those sites happen to be some of the, uh, the biggest traffic getters on the Internet. And it's because, again, it goes back to the appetite of the consumer. So many of us love to consume all things negative. We love to consume all things sensational. And so we've got to learn to educate and change our own appetite so that we stop building things up that aren't the best representation of us. Wonderful. And so that's in part is why I decided to do this site because one, having been, uh, you know, once I left AOL, uh, they merged with the Huffington Post. I wasn't interested in staying with the company anymore. And so I left and, uh, you know, several major entities courted me and met with me and some of the offers and restrictions and things they were talking to me about, they just didn't fit me. And so me thinking about what I wanted out of the business and then also thinking about the challenge and the charge that Tyler had given me, I decided, you know what, maybe I should give this thing a try. I'll try to do things on my own terms, own it myself, and just see what happens with it. And if it works, fantastic. If it doesn't, hey, I tried it. And so that's the space that I'm in. You know, it, it was just about creating a platform that people knew that they could come to for, for an alternative to a lot of the mess that's on the Internet. Well, my last question to you is, what's up? Uh, you know, what do you see yourself? What do you see yourself maybe three to five years from now? What do you want to be doing? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely know that I'll be working in a TV platform. Um, uh, I have some non-traditional projects in the works. Of course, I can't really speak about them, but mm-hmm. I know that I will be producing some television shows. I know that I will uh, probably have... Uh, uh, an increased influence uh, in the music side of the business. Um, and I, I would love to find a project that would allow me to do uh, some long-term work in uh, in the U.K. I love London. I believe um, in my former life I was probably a British rock star. <laughs> so I would love to end up... Um, I don't know, like as a judge on a British reality show. You know, I'm not interested. I've never been interested in being famous. Um, 
so many people get into the business and they just want fame. You know, for me, I, I love what I do professionally, and I always wanted to be respected for my skill set. I wanted to be respected for my opinion and my insight and my expertise. And so um, I've been offered God knows how many reality shows. Um, but I, I've turned all of them down because I'm more interested in doing things that showcase me as a professional. So if I could find a good show in the U.K., if I could live in London three months out of the year, I'd be a happy camper. Sounds like it would be fun. <laughs> Sounds like it would be a lot of fun. You know, I could mm-hmm. go over to the U.K. and be the black Simon Cow. That would work for me. <laughs> You'd be that rotten. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I'd be that honest. A-list.com and johnmurray.com are your websites. Are there any uh, other places that we can find you? No, you let me tell you, you can find everything you need, all the social media connections, all the links and everything. Uh, those are all at johnmurray.com, J-A-W-N-M-U-R-R-A-Y.com, and always A-list.com, bookmark it, add it to your favorites. Check it daily. We're updating the content. we got lots of stuff. Uh, we're constantly evolving, and, and, and hit us up. Buy some ads and stuff. Hey, I'm, I'm in business with myself, and I need all the revenue I can get. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much. I appreciate this. Thank you for having me on. It's been, it's been a great conversation. So I, I've enjoyed, uh, enjoyed the dialogue, and um, I'm looking forward to continued growth from you as well. well. Thank you so much. Be blessed.